Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, and Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Pretty good, pretty good. Hopeful to read or hear stories about making advances on a vaccine or a cure or some sort of medical savior to come along and deliver us football season. Yeah, we're going to need, I think we're going to need somewhat of a miracle at this point to have a football season. Yeah, we need the uh, nerds to, uh, we need the nerds to produce. I mean, these nerds in the, in the lab coats and their, and their uh, microscopes and their electron microscopes, we need them to uh, fix this, fix it, man. Find some sort of way to stop this, this, uh, this thing that's uh, killing us. Literally, it's killing us literally and figuratively. Literally is the worst part, by the way. Jimmy and I are doing the jock part. I mean, we're doing this podcast. What what are you nerds doing? (laughs) Exactly. They're probably just sitting around, probably doing nothing. Uh, No, I I hope, uh, I mean, I I do think that, I mean, we'll we'll see. I I think people are too pessimistic about, about the chances of football season happening. But at the same time, you have to be realistic, and that's, you know what what happens when it, it's hard to imagine the virus gone before September, and and when what happens when one one player is positive, one one fan is positive. I mean, that's why the the virus has to be not just under control, but 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 almost eradicated or at least severely limited. So uh, that's going to take some like a vaccine or 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 a cure. Well, and. I mean, is this going to be the new normal? You know, 9-11 changed the way we fly and travel forever. Um, is this coronavirus going to make it where this is kind of the new normal? I mean, we've never se- I've never seen anything like this. I don't think anybody ever has. I mean, it, when the Spanish flu came around in the early 1900s, I mean, I don't think people use terms like social distancing. They're just like, they just said, get the hell away from me, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and and but, a lot of people died. A lot of people died in 1918 from the Spanish flu. A lot. And, uh, yeah, I, I wonder if I wonder if what might change is these precautions that we're taking. So many of these precautions also make a lot of sense for, you know, we would have a much healthier society uh, if, if we followed a lot of these rules, just period. So I think there will be a push for hey, you know, we did get the corona thing under control, but maybe during flu season we should all live like this and and cut down on the amount of people every year that get the flu because a lot of people do die from the flu. But people, you know, I'm terrible at math, but the general public is even worse than math than me, and that's why all those early comparisons to the flu were just so, so way off. Yes, a lot of people die, 10,000, 12,000 people die in the United States every year from the flu, but like, a freaking three million people get the flu every year. Three million. I mean, the percentage of people that die from the flu is very, very small. The percentage of people that die from corona is huge in comparison. Yeah, the uh, certainly just like everybody predicted, the coronavirus numbers are on the uptick, especially in the U.S., where they're over. Uh, 10,335 deaths as of this recording. Um, and it's getting, it's getting worse. I mean, that number's going to number's going to look really bad by the end of this week. It's bad now. Yeah, 347,003 cases. Um, so, yeah. But, it, but here's the positive. 
18,953 have recovered. Yep. Um, now, that's weird, though. That So, they've only, of the 347,000, 10,000 have died. Essentially, 19,000 have recovered. So, there are more than 300,000 people out there just with the virus that they know that it, they hadn't done either or? All of whom, all of whom, per the numbers, will infect three people each. Yeah. So that's why this quarantine and social distancing is so important. That's the number that has to be fixed is, uh, you know, sick people on the average infect three others. If you have the flu, the average, a person with the flu averages infecting one to infect zero others. And that's, that's exponential. It's exponential. That's why. There'll be so many more cases and so many more deaths than, than the flu. Comparing it to the flu is just uh, incorrect. And, and, and a lot of people, a lot of smart people did very early on. And I think it's just simply because we've all been educated about this. I mean, we've all, we, we all were dumb about this from the start. All of us, everybody, we've all been educated about it since. So stay safe, people. Yeah, and there's a, there are a million ways to go with this just the the ripple effects as I think, you know, when we initially started saying, well, we might be without football season. I think we all said it rather tongue in cheek and that, ah, you know, that's not going to happen. That'll, that'll never happen. But I've heard all these, all this talk today. Now maybe it's just the sports talk radio machine looking for any kind of content. That's also a possibility. But one thing that was brought up was that there's always already been talk between some commissioners about, an abbreviated season or just an all-conference game only season. Right. I, I don't see how you do. I, I don't see how you do that. I mean, I really don't. I don't see how you tell some of these teams that depend on these huge checks from your Alabamas and LSU's and Texas's that okay, y'all can't have those. But now y'all go play in your conference. That's fine. Um, I don't oh, see yeah. how that's going to work. I mean, I think. And the other thing that the, the maybe some of the conspiracy theorists have brought up is that this is a going to be a great time for the power five at plus Notre Dame to just say, you know what, guys, we're going to, we're going to do our own thing over here. We're going to go handle this over here. We're going to take our ball and go play with it over in this direction. Y'all do whatever you want to. And yeah, we can cross, we can play some of y'all just like we play some uh, FCS teams. We can play some of y'all, but y'all aren't going to be in our championships. Now, if people have ever listened to me, they know I'm fine with that. I don't, it doesn't bother me that Ball State won't have the same opportunity to win a national championship that Duke does in basketball. That doesn't bother me in the least. I want to see the big names play the big names. I'm not a. I'm not the. When it comes to sports, at least, I'm not a huge underdog guy. I'm more let's see the blue bloods. I, or and by blue bloods, I mean all Power Five teams in Notre Dame. You know, um, and I know some people may take offense to that because everybody loves Rudy and whatever. Uh, you know, a lot of people love that Loyola Chicago run a few years ago. I hated it because I knew they weren't the best team in the country. I knew they weren't. Everybody knew they weren't. Right. Um, but they ended up getting a decent bracket and were able to maneuver their way through it. And, um, you know, then it left us with a, you know, a Final Four that left a little bit to be desired, if you ask me. So I don't want George Mason to make the Final Four. They're not one of the best teams in the country. The fact that they can upset one team on one given day doesn't change my mind about that. I look at the big picture. That's why I love college football. Now, um, right. 
you know, I don't want to get into that whole thing because this is this is a topic we could literally discuss whether there was sports or not. Um, so, Jimmy, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll jump into some uh, news around Alabama, SEC, and in college football, basketball world in general. Jimmy, jumping into basketball first, um, Alabama gets a nice commitment from Keon Ellis, number three JUCO basketball player in the country, a number one combo guard in JUCO. Um, I've seen some talk that he's sort of the replacement for Petty. I don't know if that's necessarily true. He probably is not as good a shooter as Petty. I don't know that, but um, Petty turned out to be a pretty doggone good shooter uh, as his career moved on. I know he came in with a reputation of being a great shooter, but I think that had to develop at the next level. And I don't know necessarily that Petty is 100% gone. Um, so right. I don't, we have to talk about a replacement just yet. But regardless, I love the fact that Keon Ellis has committed to Alabama. Well, I think the fact that Keon is a uh, 6'6", which is very long for a two-guard, uh, he's obviously a guy that, that even though he's he, he considers himself a two-guard or shooting guard, that he at 6'6", and being long, he clearly can play small forward uh, as well. So I just think size and description of his game is sort of Petty-like. I'm not comparing him. John Petty was a five-star by one service and a good recruit and ended up being a good player at Alabama. So I'm not saying Keon Ellis is Petty or will be as good as Petty. Heck, for all we know, he'll be better. I'm just saying positionally and lengthwise, uh, it just seems like a good comparison. If, if people want to, okay, who's his game like? Who's he like? Uh, I think Petty is, is a good example in terms of what Keon brings to the table and, and, and his build and his athleticism just – I think there's there's a natural comparison to Petty or even Herb Jones, but 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 I, you know Keon's showing up a score and and Herb Herb hasn't been Herb hasn't been that yet. So I think it's a good pickup. You know I don't know basketball recruiting like I know football. I don't I don't pretend to be a basketball recruiting expert, but I know enough about football recruiting to where logically there are, there are some things we can look at when it comes to basketball recruiting. Here's the first thing I look at. One is the ranking, and like you said, he's number three uh, in the junior college ranking. That, that means he, he's, he's likely a really good prospect or he wouldn't be ranked where he is, number one. But number two, what I look at and what's more important to me is, okay, who, who are the finalists? Who did we have to beat out to sign this guy? Because the fact of the matter is, if you beat out, well, I'm just going to pick a random uh, Power 5 program, Cal, the Cal Bears. If you, if, if you beat out Cal for 10 kids and now they're on your roster and they're playing for you instead of Cal. Do you know what your team is? You're Cal. That's who you are because that's right. I mean, that's who you are because that's who you're beating out for kids. So apparently uh, Alabama beat out Kansas state uh, for Keon. And while that's not going to register alarms and sirens around the sec, the fact of the matter is if you look, back over the last five or six years, uh, Alabama's not as good as Kansas State. I mean, individual Alabama teams can beat Kansas State. In fact, we have beat Kansas State. But in terms of what program has had the most success in terms of wins in NCAA tournaments over the past five or six years, I mean, to me, no doubt, it's Kansas State. So if we beat them for Keon Ellis, then that, that's a good sign. Now, does that mean – Keon Ellis is the type kid who's going to line up and whip Kentucky or whip Florida. I don't know about that, but we did beat out a good program for him. Darius Miles, 
is committing tomorrow, probably to Alabama from what, from what I hear, that's likely Alabama. And uh, we'd be beating out programs like Minnesota and Boston College for him. And there's two more programs that over the past five or six years have just been better than Alabama. That, that tells me that we're improving. When we're signing kids that would otherwise be signing with programs better than we are, then we're improving. Now, I also say that to say for those of us who think, oh, we got Keon Ellis, we're going to get Darius Miles, Kentucky, watch out. No, Kentucky needs to watch out when we're signing kids that Kentucky wanted to sign. And uh, that's not the case yet. But, hey, you got to walk before you can crawl. you got to crawl before you can run. The, the point is we need 13 good players, and we need to beat programs that are better than us to get kids to start our climb back up the charts. So that's what I think the signing of Keon Ellis and hopefully the commitment of Darius Miles tomorrow represents a climb for Alabama. It's more of a more of a step than than a sprint, but uh, but still, it's nonetheless good news. It is good news, and I think it should be pointed out that you butchered that anecdote when you said you got to <laughs> crawl before you can walk and then crawl before you can run. Yeah, I mean, I guess technically you do, but I think it's crawl before you walk, walk before you run, walk before you run. Um, what, but you're you right. Crawl before I guess you run. Some people do go straight from crawling to running. Um, I bet, uh, but I bet those are very talented did. individuals. Jalen Waddle is probably faster at one and a half than I am at 49. Good chance I bet Jalen Waddle was returning punts at one and a half and crawling right by everybody in, the, in his very little league. <laughs> Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle was fast from minute number one. I, he probably, he probably once, once, once he was born, he probably sprinted to like the the, the ward where they keep the babies. That's like he, true. Just, he just ran down there like way faster than the doctors could could catch him. He was he was like, already off and running to the maternity ward. Yeah, he like they turned around to spank him. I'm like, where the hell did he go? <laughs> he made me miss. Yeah, this kid just made me miss. Um, so that's that's your your basketball update for the most part. But look, I think you're right. That this signing class probably is going to end up assuming Darius Miles does commit is going to end up being in the top 15. I thought Brian Passick had a great point on Twitter, though, that yeah, I think in this particular class, you need to also include James Rojas because we didn't have him. He wasn't available last year. Juwan Gary. That's right. And Javon Quinter. That's right. I mean, this class is – now, I know technically they're not part of this class, but I think you have to include them with this class – big picture here because this is their first opportunity to play. It's not like they could have played and didn't. That is, that's not it. I think all yep. three of those guys would have played this year, especially given our injury numbers. Um, yeah, I don't think there's oh, any yeah. doubt. So now all of a sudden you put those three guys with the uh, three guys we have uh, signed and, and then the one guy that we assume will be committing and signing and Darius Miles, and then maybe – a uh, transfer and like a, a Bruner or somebody of that nature. Okay. All of a sudden now this is a, this is a hell of a group coming in. The one thing that is a negative is they're all coming in at the same time and they don't know each other anymore. Than I know them. Right. It, it will almost feel like next year's the transition year. Like next year is year one, because we're going to be going like, who the hell are these people? But yeah. actually, <laughs> actually it is, 
we should expect improvement in one area, and that's just that so many of the kids with this massive roster turnover we got coming, so many of the kids that will be playing for us next season will be kids specifically handpicked by Nate to play in his system. We shouldn't have round peg square hole issues uh, you know, on the roster next year in terms of kids that just aren't good fits with what uh, Nate wants to do on offense and defense. These are his guys. Now, there will be for a lot of first-year guys, a lot of guys playing for the first time. So I think for that reason alone, let's keep the expectations well short of a Final Four team. But I think uh, just due to familiarity and, and, and scheme and, and being a lot of hand-picked guys, uh, we should be improved next year to an extent. Uh, I, I will put a big caveat that our fans are the worst at not – realizing how good some of our players were and uh, losing Kyra and Petty uh, is going to be a big blow. Anyone expecting Javon Quinterly to be just as good as Kyra is completely unfair to Quinterly and not founded on any logic whatsoever. Quinterly played as a freshman. Now I realize that Villanova big time program in a big time league, different situation than Alabama. But when Kyra Lewis was a freshman, and a 17-year-old freshman at that, he was one of the best freshmen in the United States. Javon Quinterly was not. He was just a freshman that looked fairly good in limited minutes. But based on where their, their, their careers have, have gone to date, it's just not fair to say Quinterly is, is Kyra. And he's going to be a different type of point guard as well. And I think he's going to be good. And that's not to say he won't be good. You know, Kyra's going to be like the 18th, 19th, 20th pick in the draft. You can be not as good as Kyra and still be one hell of a college basketball player. Kyra was another level. And Petty, when he was healthy and focused in, uh, Petty was a really good SEC basketball player. Ask any coach in this league, is John Petty a good SEC basketball player? You're going to get 14 yeses. So now, uh, so I I just think replacing Kyra and Petty is going to be tough. These new guys many of whom have big reputations, that's fine. And, and they might prove to be that good, but it's certainly not anything I'm going to expect of them. It's just not fair or logical. Jimmy, let's go ahead and take another break here. When we get back, we'll just do some hodgepodge Alabama stuff. Um, we promised a re-breakdown of the 2016 Alabama-USC game in Dallas. And uh, we, I mean, we'll do it, but we might want to save it considering that may be the only way we get to see USC in Dallas this year. But uh, we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, I got a few things to go over with you. Jimmy, I don't know if you saw it, but ESPN, which is just, I mean, they're dying for content. I mean, they are struggling. And, um, I, you know, they're like everybody else. It's tough. I mean, I, again, I write a – weekly article for the fish wrapper fish wrapper and i'm trying my best i mean i'm like what the hell can i talk about (laughs) um but uh espn put together this thing with nba players where they pick teams on nba 2k and um and they play each other and they seeded it one through 16 and immediately the 16 seed beat the one seed who was kevin durant in a one-on-one game well boogie cousins was playing somebody I, i hadn't paid any attention to it because I mean, what is what does it say about your life if you're watching NBA players play 
other NBA players in a video game on TV. That's that's <laughs> that's how I couldn't really get over that. I mean, it's sort of like reality TV to me when it finally dawned on me that I'm watching other people live their lives and not living my own. That kind of made me realize maybe I need to stop doing some of this shit. Um, <laughs> but, it, it, but I mean, that's that's all it is. There's no script. I mean, there's a bunch of New Jersey greased up meatheads and or you know kardashians slapping each other i don't want to see all that but anyway um so boogie cousins uh was talking to whoever he was playing and of course they they've got split screen and boogie cousins is uh you know they're they're just asking questions it's actually not bad if you look at it like okay i'm watching an interview like a very candid interview and the other guy asked boogie he said what was the craziest dunk you ever saw and the guy and Boogie said, well, I mean, anytime, you know, not just professionally. He said, sure. He said, craziest dunk I ever saw was in high school. He said, oh, I guess you did it. He said, no. He said, you're not going to believe who did it. It was Julio Jones. And he said, wow. And um, and Boogie screwed up and said, yeah, you know, he plays for the Atlanta Hawks, which I bet he could play for the Atlanta Hawks. He play for Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> He's just choosing not to. He's just choosing not to. And I encourage everybody to go to AL.com. It's not really our thing to – um bolster web clicks for other places but i mean i'm gonna call a spade a spade no. here and say, check out al.com and go to this article about it because it it has the interview with not the interview but the split screen of boogie talking about it and he talks about how it was foley uh playing lafleur apparently boogie's team and they were at lafleur and julio didn't do wasn't doing a bunch i mean he, he was like he's a man though he's like he was he was a thing and um so he uh there was a three-pointer taken by foley and julio flies in and dunks over everybody on on the rebound he said that's the thing he said it wasn't even a a regular breakaway dunk it was a tip back dunk and he says the damnedest dunk i've ever seen and he said he was over one of my guys and and they said wow wish we had tape of it he said i'm pretty sure my teammate found the only existing tape and destroyed that he said because (laughs) that could not get out and um, <laughs> what was really funny, DeMarcus, DeMarcus Cousins said, um, he said, yeah, it took like 15 or 20 minutes to get everybody under control after that dunk with the crowd. He was like, yeah, but I thought he was at your place. He goes, it was at our place. For a dunk that the other team did. <laughs> and then they had, the, they had the radio broadcast of the Foley play-by-play and color guy and um, it's pretty cool to go back and listen to. I mean, the audio is really grainy and not great, but they all they can do is is like some really bad Dick Vitale impressionist. I mean, impersonations are like, oh, 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 you know how he does with That's a layup. I mean, he just flips out, takes his pants off, and everything. Um, but yeah, so it was. I thought that was really really cool. And again, it goes to. Uh, I thought about it again when I saw that 24-7 is having their t- best recruit ever bracket. You know, this is where we are. We're all doing brackets for shit like, you know, name your favorite breakfast bracket. I mean, it's going to be so shitty in about a month. We're all imagine, gonna- yeah, imagine in May. Yeah, in May it's None of us can get our hair cut. I mean, we're all going to look like total shit. Even if we can go back into society, none of us will because we're all going to look like horrible people. Um, so. 
Julio is in the top in the final four of the best recruit ever bracket with Adrian Peterson, Reggie Bush. Um, who's the other one? Shoot. I want to be a I want to be a homer for my guy, but I'll, I'll say to this, this date when when I hear that name, Reg, Reggie Bush's high school highlight tape was probably the best I've ever seen of any high school player at any position. Really? Uh, he he, he might have been the best I've ever. I, I, you watch his high school tape and wonder, did this? You I mean the first question you ask is. In three years of playing high school football, was he ever tackled to the ground? I mean, it's that. It's like every handoff is an open field punt return. Every pass he ca- – I mean, it is just touchdown, 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 touchdown. Him running past people that have angles on him. That's how – it's tough to judge speed. Somebody watches a lot of – I've been watching a lot of high school tape this week, actually. Uh, judging speed on high school tape is really tough. If somebody tells you that they can tell – by watching high school tape exactly how fast someone is, they are either lying or they're wrong or they hardly ever watch high school tape because I, I've watched a, a billion high school tape. And, and yeah, I got I, I bet I guess better than most people can because I've watched it a bit. But guessing speed is tough. The best, you know, two ways to do it is just competition. Who's on the field? Who, who's, play, who's playing in the game? And, and number one. And number two is look at angles. Look at angles. I mean, when the play starts, where's the safety and, and, and should he, even a slow guy, by angle alone, catch this fast guy? And, and if they're outrunning good angles, they're, they're probably fast as hell, especially playing against good competition. Uh, I watched some country, what I call country ball this week. I was watching some South Alabama, what I call, you know, up in the country, like Monroeville area, Bruton, you know, just up in the country, Evergreen. And uh, 2A ball up there, I mean, there's some – Put it this way, uh, LJS would have been a pretty decent football player. I, I couldn't play. I couldn't play at my 6A school. I never would have. I wouldn't have even been a good practice player at my 6A mega power high school. But I, I would have. I would have played quite a bit at, at some of these. Play. I'm like, whoa, that kid is just not a good athlete. But uh, no, Reggie Bush's high school highlight tape. If I've seen one better, I can't remember. Uh, I, I tell people to this day, and I said it right after I saw it, and I've never wavered, no recency bias. The best high school quarterback prospect I've ever seen is Trevor Lawrence. Um, he remains. And I'd seen some really good ones up into him. But Trevor Lawrence, is. A, I watched his junior tape and just immediately was like, I think this is the best kid I've ever seen. And I would say so far as college careers, making me look pretty smart for saying that, I was even adamant uh, – the year he came out that he was a better prospect than Justin Fields. Though I love Justin Fields, who was a slam dunk five-star. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, Justin Fields moved ahead of Trevor Lawrence on many recruiting services that year. And I was like, whoa, you people are nuts. I know which one of the two I'm taking. Well, that's only because people, when you, when you are at that position, Trevor Lawrence was number one for a long time. And then yeah. Justin Fields comes along and shows you stuff you didn't know he had. And everybody's like, oh, shit, he's better. Forgetting that Trevor Lawrence has been that awesome from the jump. I mean, yeah, it's Trevor almost Lawrence like why the Heisman – it's why yeah. the early front runner for the Heisman hardly ever wins. People get <laughs> – right. I honestly think people get bored. I yep. think when someone is clearly the best player in college football in September and you give them the Heisman in September, people get bored with it. They yep. look for – no, no, I'm, that's just boring. Let's, let's, let's find a story here. Let's find an alternative. And – 
and and it gets away from who was actually the best player over right. over the course of the year. But but man, no, I I want to be in Julio's corner, but man, Reggie pushes high school highlight tape. It's like it's the gold standard for for running backs. And I know people say. Oh, he's a third down back. You know, this is about college football. Reggie Bush was not a third down back at USC. It's not about what he did in the NFL or what he didn't do in the NFL. I mean, go back and watch Trent Richardson's high school highlight tape. He was a five-star and then a fantastic college running back. The fact he wasn't good in the NFL means nothing to the five-star, four-star high school evaluation. You don't evaluate a high school tape and and, and guess what round he's going to go in the draft five years after that. You, you, it's, it's about how is this guy and this skill set going to translate to college? And that's all that it's about. Yeah, that, that's right. But I mean, the point goes back to just Julio was, I think we underappreciate him. Yeah. I, I really mm-hmm. do somehow, some way it feels yeah. like we don't appreciate that guy enough. And maybe one of the reasons we don't appreciate him enough and let's say we appreciate somebody like Mark Ingram more uh, is that Mark Ingram is a lot more active in the Alabama community. Yeah. I mean, who, but that's not Julio's deal. Julio in that yeah. way about the Falcons. He in that way about Foley. He in that way about himself. Yeah. I mean, Julio, no, he's not a self promoter. He's no, not he's, a self promoter. And and that's kind of makes him cooler to me. Cool. I, I, mean, I, I agree. I love the Joe Namath types and that's great. But Julio is just a bad mofo. I mean, he's so he's the he's the one guy I think that you could say. I mean, yeah, there'd be other guys that you'd be more scared. Of. I mean, there, you couldn't be any more scared of, of somebody than you would be scared of Raquan Davis if he rolled up on you. But in the end, you would have a hard time saying, "Okay, Julio would beat me the worst." You know, it's, you know. In, in a, there was another Simpsons where. Um, the Yakuza was fighting the fat Tony and his mafia guys in Springfield. And um, Homer was sitting there watching the fight. And there was like one little Japanese dude standing there. And, and Marge said, let's get out of here. And he said, wait a minute. I want to see what this guy does. He's not saying anything. He's not doing anything. You know, it's about to be awesome. And, and like they leave. And the next thing you hear is a bunch of noises. And Homer's like, damn it. You know, I missed it. Julio is that guy. He's standing there. He's not doing shit. Then somebody's going to do something, and Julio's going to tie him in a pretzel. <laughs> he was. Uh, he was complete. You know, one thing that was kind of that kept him from. You know, so many receivers over the years. This is changing now in high school evaluation a little bit. But over the years, when I'm growing up and and, and I'm learning about evaluating in, in the 1990s and the early 2000s, back then wide receiver prospects were kind of the do-it-all guys. They might have played a lot of quarterback, and they played some yeah. defense, and they took some snaps at running back. Julio was really a unique bird in the sense that here's the best athlete on the field, and he really doesn't do much other than play wide receiver. He he did not line up at quarterback. I can't he remember. He did play some defense when it was a close game. Foley was good back then. They weren't great, great, but but they were pretty good. They're you know they're terrible right now, but they were pretty good then. And when they were in a close game, Julio would play defense. Whether he was rushing the passer or playing deep safety, he would play defense in the close games. Like if if Foley played Daphne, who was really good then. They had some classic Foley Daphne matchups when Julio was at Foley because uh, it's a big rivalry and, and and both teams were really good. 
and Julio grew up in Daphne and it sort of cre helped create the rivalry a little bit, but he, he would play defense against Daphne, but uh, you know, but overall on a typical game, you would go see on a Friday night to see Julio play. He would usually just be at wide receiver, even in the 12th grade when there was no doubt two seconds into the game, who the best athlete on the field was like <laughs> that monster wide receiver Foley that's built like a professional athlete playing wide receiver, but you know, he didn't have a great quarterback as a senior. He did as a sophomore and a junior, they, they had a good quarterback Julio senior year. They didn't have a great quarterback. Uh, basically their best play was that little kid would take the snap and he would just throw the ball as far as he could. And, and, and Julio would, would just play the ball. I mean, you know, the other team would have two DBs jumping up in the air to catch the ball and Julio would just jump higher, catch it, shake the tackle. And, and walk into the end zone. It, there wasn't a whole lot of slants and outs and ins and Julio getting hit in the numbers with balls. That happened when he was a sophomore and a junior, but not as a senior. So it was kind of, I think that, Luke, when you say we didn't realize what we had, I think to an extent, Julio not having a good quarterback or playing for a really good team as a senior really affected that. Uh, because, it, you know, he, he, it would have been different if he was playing quarterback and running around doing all these athletic things. But basically, you'd see Julio catch about six six balls, seven or eight balls, maybe a game, which doesn't sound like a lot in high school when you're Julio Jones. But but that was about it, five or six balls. And, uh, you know, half the time he would do something spectacular with those five or six. And the other half of the time it was a bad throw and, and he would be tackled by three guys on the spot, you know, um, but boy, what he he will remain to me the best wide receiver prospect I'd ever seen. Uh, I've told the story here on the podcast before. If you hadn't heard it before, but I, you know I, I have a lot of friends in the recruiting industry, and I, and I, I know I go to all these games. But I, I've learned over the years. Maybe when I was younger, I would get too excited about kids. But most of the time, when I go to a game and see a prospect, I might tweet, you know, a thing or two. But I, I don't blow people up. But I remember. I'd heard Foley had a really good young receiver. I'd yet to see him, but, uh, you know, word got around quickly. Oh, you should see the 10th grade wide receiver at Foley. Because in the ninth grade, Julio didn't even play varsity football. He played on the JV team. I, I didn't see Julio playing a game until he was in the 10th grade. But uh, mm. and, and, and the, so it's September. I made it a point to see Foley early because I wanted to see the, the Foley receiver uh, that had a reputation that preceded him. And uh, where I saw him was actually at Ladd Stadium, uh, which is Mobile's biggest. That's the, you know, Mobile's version of Legion Field in Birmingham. And uh, Foley was on the road playing Murphy High School, which is a big high school, a good, you know, Murphy's full of good athletes every year. And it's one of the biggest high schools in the state of Alabama. And uh, that's where they play their home games. So I was watching Foley play Murphy at Ladd. And I got there a little early. And, uh, and I watched Foley warm up. And I never took my eyes off Julio. I was like... That dude is in the 10th grade. He was tall. He had broad shoulders. He wasn't 220 pounds. He was probably 185 at that time, maybe 180. But when you're six, two and a half, 180 in the 10th grade and muscular, it, it, most kids just aren't built like that. I mean, he was just built like you would expect a top senior to look like. And he was in the 10th grade. And then the game started. And after they had thrown two balls to Julio in the first quarter, I uh, texted a buddy with a national recruiting service that's heavily involved with rankings and said, uh, I remember what I said to him. I said, uh, 
hey, I'm not sure what you're doing tonight, but uh, I'm watching the number one prospect in the state in the 08 class. Guaranteed, don't need to see anybody else. It's two years away, but the race is over. It's Julio Jones from Foley. That's how, and it means more because I don't honestly do that a lot. I mean, it's pretty rare that I say something like that. But uh, yeah, it, 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 it didn't take a Forrest Davis to pick him out, by the way. It wasn't, okay. a, it wasn't a keen eye. It was not a keen eye. It was just a regular eye that was watching him going, holy crap, that dude is special. And uh, he's been special ever since. He was special in high school, special at Alabama, and he will be a first ballot NFL Hall of Famer. Um, Jimmy, so one other thing we're going to do this week at some time, uh, and I want to explain, you're, this is the first you're hearing of this, but this is what we're going to do. We're You and I are going to do our own little Saban draft, okay? You, if one of us picks a guy, that guy's off the board. But we're each going to have an offense and each have a defense and a punter and a kicker. Um, that's going to be harder to come up with. Uh, but so we'll start with offense, and I'll pick my. You know, I'll 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 let you be the call. We're going to do it snake draft style. So whoever gets the first pick, the next guy pick gets two, and then the, then that guy gets two, and then another guy gets two. You know, know what I mean? Yep. Uh huh. So do you want the first pick or do you want the second pick? Now, am I picking a player or a unit? You're picking a player. Any you player. Eleven offensive players. Got to have five offensive linemen. You can have two to three okay. wide receivers, two to three running backs, and a tight end if you want one. And a quarterback. Yeah, and a quarterback. But we're not doing this till later on this week because we don't yeah, have time. Okay. No, I got to give it some thought. Okay. And I'm kind of yeah. picking an all Saban team. Yeah. And it's from 2007 to now. Yep. Anybody that played on that team, it doesn't have to be recruited by Saban. Anybody that played on that team, up. Gotcha. So. That's what we're going to do later on this week. Probably for the next podcast, we'll see. Um, want to thank everybody out there for tuning us in. Uh, know that you have a lot of options, especially right now. And uh, we thank you guys for listening and reaching out to us on Twitter. And what we're going to do is when we pick these offenses and defenses, I'll put them on Twitter and let people vote who they which team they think would win. Which, which team would win. Yeah. That's exciting stuff. This is, this is how we're getting through the quarantine. This. Yes. I just figured it out. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. All that's right, awesome. and uh, Darius Miles, Darius Miles, <laughs> Darius Miles uh, from IMG Academy, the basketball player, commits tomorrow. And uh, uh, really quickly, I believe uh, that's big because Luke has told us all on the podcast about another player. Isn't the uh, kid from Spain Park at IMG that you yeah, told the us kid about? That was Spain Park, yep. Uh, yep. So this is a teammate of his. So. Yep. Sort of a big deal. Uh, I've already, yeah, I thought about that. I like that a lot. I like having that connection. And um, so that's going to be really, really cool. So hopefully we'll be talking about a new commit and then we'll do our fun, fun, fun snake draft. Y'all just stay with us for next time. So roll tide, everybody. Roll tide.